nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Live from Spain, this is The Drive Home with Harry Waters. Hello everybody, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good morning, wherever you may be tuning in from or perhaps listening back from. Uh, I hope you're all well on this, well, what for me is a very sunny uh, Wednesday afternoon. Um, I hope the week has treated you well thus far. My week's been an interesting one. Um, Plenty of action and and things happening here, there and everywhere. Um, Yesterday, I was back in front of the whiteboard, which was was good, um, in an academy setting. It's always nice to be uh, to back at the board. That was a pleasure to be there and, and helping out uh, an old friend at the, the English Language Institute uh, here in right near me in a village called Hines, just down the road. Uh, so it was super exciting to, to be involved in that. Um, and yeah, back in the classroom, I, it reminded me of just what students are like um because i'm very fortunate with the classes that i have at the moment um i have revolving online classes with people around the world but i also have my regular classes but they are with people here from the village people that i'm uh i know quite well and i'm I'm very much i'm used to them we've had them for for quite a while i've been teaching them for for a fairly long time um so yeah, it's been it's been good. It was it was fun to get back, as I say, in front of the whiteboard again. So what do we have in store for you today? We've got a wonderful show in store today. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Andre Hedlund. Uh, he is he's a bit of everything, really. He's a he's a he's a teacher. He's a trainer. Um, he's a linguist. He's an author. Um, he's he knows the science of the brain and learning very, very well. Um, I've been so, I was so excited to speak to him. It's uh, something I've been looking forward to for quite a long time. I've followed him for a fair old while on various uh, social media outlets. Uh, and it's been really good to, to watch what he's been up to, what he's been doing, um, and just the vast difference in, in everything he does. I find it absolutely fascinating. So um, he's over in Brazil. So I I was able to catch up with him earlier today. We're going to listen to everything he had to say very, very shortly. Um, But before that, um, you know, we get into it in the in the chat, um, thinking about the science behind teaching, but also the, the philosophy behind, well, not so much teaching, but more the whole process of learning. Um, And it's something that I don't know enough about. Um, I, I know a bit about it and something we learn from Andre when, when he comes on, you'll, you'll hear uh, about the learning cosmos, uh, that there is so much for us to take in, so much for us to learn, so much for us to keep improving on and building on with our knowledge. Um, but yeah, I realised when he when he said that, you know, that the philosophy and science do actually have quite a lot in common um, in a lot of aspects. Uh, and we learn we learn all about ver- various aspects of what he talks about with his, his owl factor and um, the learning cosmos as well. But before we get into the interview, uh, 
Today's been a big day for me in terms of speaking to people in Brazil. As I mentioned, I, I spoke to, to Andre, I also spoke to Danny, who, who works for um, Astrid, which is a, a an online learning app. Uh, and it was suddenly today, it was very strange how I realized just quite how integrated all of the, the TEFL world is. It's all so connected you know as soon as i i picked up the i picked up the phone i didn't pick up the phone i picked up the google meet call um as soon as i got on there you know i mentioned that i'd previously spoken to someone in brazil and everybody knew each other and then we started talking about another project that i was working on um and that you know she'd had a conversation with somebody from that very same area and and I was also connected to somebody today, I had another meeting a bit later on about another project that I'm working on. And it's somebody I've known for, for maybe 10 years. And, and not long ago, I was watching a walkthrough video of how to create some materials for this uh, this certain uh, company. because She's done a lot of it. And I heard this voice and I was like, wow, that's Michelle. Um, and you just realize just how interconnected all of these different things are with each other and yeah I, I don't know sometimes it's a bit of a surprise that we're all so far apart but we are all so well connected yet how many of us have actually met each other and it was it was that whole idea of you know, this global community that we're all interconnected and um yeah it was a very ethereal moment thinking about that so what I'm going to do I'm going to play the news now before jumping into the interview with Andre. And then we're going to slide on through for the next uh, hour and a bit, um, talking about the connection between philosophy, science and ELT. But first, stay where you are. And let's have a listen to the news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, 
then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, new funding, believed to be around £15 million, will allow free school meals to be extended over the summer holidays. This comes on top of the already announced investment of hundreds of millions of pounds to expand free school meals to all primary school children. First Minister Mark Drakeford said, Today's announcement does include £22.5 million to extend free school meals during the school holidays through the Easter holiday and right through to the end of the summer holiday this year as well. That, once again, is money that goes directly to those families who will struggle the most in the face of the cost of living crisis. In Scotland, 1,324 school leavers from East Dumbartonshire went on to work, training or further study. These latest figures from the Scottish Government show a 6% rise in the number of positive destinations for young people, up to 98.6%, the highest in Scotland. Rona Mackay, MSP for Strathkelvin and Bearstown said, I'm delighted that an incredible 98.6% of pupils across Eastern Bartonshire are going on to positive destinations, whether that be work, training or further study. This is a record-breaking, nation-leading figure and is a testament to the incredible work both our teachers, educators and pupils are carrying out in our communities. The transition for young people from school to adulthood is vital and the SNP is committed to getting this right for every young person across Scotland, no matter what their background. The figures were released last week in the Scottish Government's summary statistics for attainment and initial leavers destinations. March the 1st is National Offer Day in England, where primary children find out if they got into the secondary school of their choice. If children miss out on their first choice school, the decision can be appealed. The government website states, the admission authority for the school must allow you at least 20 school days to appeal from when they send the decision letter. The admission authority will set a deadline for submitting information and evidence to support your appeal. If you submit anything after the deadline, 
it might not be considered and may result in delays to your hearing. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's Two Minute Tech. Today I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want, freeform select which is draw a shape around what you want, window select which is pick the window you want to capture, screen select which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this but stay tuned, there is. Finally there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar, right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real-life examples of using the snipping tool, so don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you very much, Steve Woods. Thank you, Gail, for the news. Uh, and now it is time uh, to introduce the wonderful uh, Andre Hedlund. As I mentioned before, he's an author, he's a teacher trainer, he's a, a teacher. Uh, he does a bit of everything, um, but why should I tell you about him when he's he can tell you all about his journey uh, through TEFL uh, and beyond? So thank you so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Um, could you yeah. could you start by by telling us a little bit about your your journey? into and through ELT. Can you summarize? <laughs> yeah, of course, Harry. Well, let me just say that it's my honor. It's really a pleasure for me to be here. Um, and I've, I've seen that um, you've been interviewing a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, hot shots in ELT, right? <laughs> a lot of people who have uh, made huge contributions to the field and I feel really privileged that I can be part of, of that group, right? That select group and, um, well, I started as uh, as an EFL teacher in Brazil. I I remember actually it's a funny story because I didn't want to work as a teacher back then. You know, I remember that I was coming back from Europe uh, because I had spent three months traveling around and uh, I needed to get a job. Right, so <laughs> I, I came back to Brazil and my mom said, "Hey, there's something in the newspaper. Maybe you want to try that." So she basically said, hey, you need to get a job, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did. I mean, uh, it was a, a job at a local uh, English school and they worked with the audiolingual method, right? So it was easier uh, because I just had to repeat a lot of things for a very long time, basically. 
<laughs> a whole <laughs> one hour class. It was just me repeating something and then my students repeating something and then, you know, but then uh, I got very lucky because I think I had, uh, I considered them mentors, I think, along the way. So I had very special people who said, hey, you have something else. I mean, you can go to a different school. You can do something uh, more challenging. You can try maybe, uh, you know, to, to embrace more projects, as, as I like to say. And that's what happened. I went, I ended up uh, working at Cultura Inglesa, which is a very, very good school here in Brazil. It's like a binational center because it, it's uh, connected uh, to, you know, the British Council. And uh, mm -hmm. so there's a very strong relationship between Brazil and, and, and England there, you know, the UK in general. And then, you know, after a while, I just realized that I could do more. I wanted to get involved in um, teacher training. I started attending more conferences, the local uh, brass diesel conferences. And then I, I was invited to do some freelance stuff for National Geographic Learning. So they wanted me to talk about their new books. And, and that's when I got started, really, when I said, oh, this is something I can do. This is something that really, uh, I really enjoy doing that, you know, talking about different resources and connecting with teachers. And then uh, I became a coordinator and then I got my master's in, in psychology of education, you know, and then I came back from the UK and I said, well, I, I have to do something. And I started working in bilingual contexts, you know, bilingual education. I'm teaching a postgraduate course now. So, you know, I think many things happened in my, I don't know, 17 year uh, career or something like that, you know, I've, yeah. been, I've been in this business for 17 years now. Yeah. It's really, it's incredibly addictive, that moment of when you go to a conference. Now, I know that with a lot of um, TEFL teachers, I, I don't know, there's a very clear divide for me with TEFL teachers, particularly um, those who do it to travel. Like I, when I started doing it, it was completely to travel. My, in fact, my, my first jobs were over in, in South America. I worked in Argentina and then in Brazil back in, 2007 um doesn't seem like that long ago but uh no. umbrella was on the radio and very popular at the time um oh, by yes i remember that so, yeah it was, it was a long time ago but i remember then you know the idea of going to a conference to me was just like that is awful that's a horrible thing i don't want to spend yeah. my saturday watching people <laughs> talk about teaching well why would i do that but then when i came to spain and kind of settled down a bit more and you know I'd been to various countries, I'd traveled around, and I was like, I actually, I actually quite like this. And it was that I went to the Athea conference in, must okay. have been, there we go. There's my dog just barking. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so yeah, the, the idea for me of going to a conference was, was crazy. And then I went to Athea um, yeah. back in 2012 and suddenly, a light came on you know I saw Chris Rowland speaking and Simon Perlman oh. and I just thought wow like you guys are absolutely incredible and and that was like a a big switching moment and it most definitely find a lot about who I am as a teacher but also who I am as a trainer when I I saw that and just thought I'd like to do that yeah yeah, it's funny. I think I think the same thing happened uh, for me because I, I I had attended conferences before, you know, 
so I think I uh, one of the first conferences I, I went to was in, um, I think, 2011. So we had uh, in Sao Paulo, I was working at Cultura Inglesa, and I, I think I saw uh, Jim Scrivener for the first time. So, and, and he was talking, you know, and he's a great speaker and, you know, everybody bought his books. And, and uh, so it was funny because it, it was uh, part of our in-service uh, program. We had to attend conferences and Cultura Inglesa really encouraged teachers to go. And I think, you know, the whole staff uh, went to this conference. And, but that was in 2011. And then for four years, I didn't really go to any conference so much because, you know, I, I, I moved to uh, Goiânia, that's central, you know, like Midwestern Brazil. And then I didn't have a job for a couple of months. And then I got a job as a teacher, but, you know, they didn't really care much about conferences. And I only went to a real big conference, Brass Tiso Conference when National Geographic Learning approached me and said, hey, we are looking for a, a consultant. So maybe you can do it. I said, yeah. And then I went to the conference. Um, I connected with a lot of teachers, a lot of references in ALT. And then I realized this is something I want to do more often. And then from 2015 until today, I've attended, I don't know, hundreds of conferences, maybe. So many conferences online and, and you know, some face-to-face -face conferences as well, but it's something that I think inspires me a lot. I get a lot of great ideas when I go to conferences and I connect with wonderful people as well. And that's part of, of the game, I guess. Yeah, I, I do. I love that, the idea side of thing where uh, you, you get your practical ideas that you can then take and adapt and, and turn into your own thing. And I find it so addictive. Like it's, you know, when you get there and you've got all of your lessons planned for the future, or even just more ideas coming at you, absolutely, I love it. And at Braz Tiso last year, now I need some advice now. Um, yeah, yeah, please, yeah. <laughs> spoke three times at Braz Tiso last year, am I right? I think I did, yes. So, um, yeah, I, so there was one about the learning cosmos, which is something I've been working on. There was another one that it was part of the, of the Mind Brain Education SIG. So we had a session on uh, self-regulation. And then I had a very cool session with my buddy, uh, Rudy, Rodolfo Marcello, because we have, so it, it, you can see that I'm drinking tea right now, right? So this is Earl Grey with a splash of milk because of my time in England. And when, we, when I came back, actually before I came back, Rudy called me and said, hey, we should do something on Instagram. Let's do like, you know, we get together and we talk about whatever anything you talk about neuroscience and psychology i will talk about uh, linguistics he actually studied at the university of edinburgh and then we there's something in brazil called cafe filosofico so that's the philosophical coffee right and then we created chá pedagogico so that's the pedagogical tea and we have a lot of episodes on instagram and we did that for brastiso as well so we had an episode a live episode uh for brasti so that was fun so three times yeah it's so yeah i this weekend i'm, I'm speaking at three different conferences okay and one of them right. i'm speaking at twice so i've got four sessions over two days yeah. um, all right keeping busy right exactly yeah. but you know how did you like deal with that because just the, the idea I, I love speaking at conferences i love i love it but the idea of four separate individual slots over such a short space of time is quite 
not daunting, but, but daunting. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean, Harry. Uh, you know, in my case, it was really every session was very different, you know, because uh, one of the sessions on the learning cosmos was about something that it took me a, a time to create and develop. But then after it was ready, I, I knew how to talk about it. So I didn't have to prepare that much, you know. So I had talked about it a couple of times before. So it wasn't a, a big challenge. But then the other one, the, the Mind Brain Education SIG. So it was the PCE, right, the pre-conference event. And we, I had a huge team of teachers who had to, to give practical tips on how to help students self-regulate. And we had been working on that for maybe six months, you know. So we had like weekly meetings because we wanted to to make sure everything was uh, on the same page. And so that was a challenge. But then uh, the other one, Shock Pedagogic with, with Rudy, uh, you know, we get together and we talk and then something good will come out of it normally. <laughs> so we don't care so much because we just draw from our knowledge uh, and, and, and we try to make connections. So I think because they were very different uh, types of sessions, I, I think, you know, I ended up being okay with it because the, the biggest challenge was the PC, right? I had to, to plan and, and train and uh, rehearse yeah. with my crew for a very long time. So that was a big challenge. The other ones, they were kind of easy, but I'm not doing that again very often now. I know, I know uh, that's the lesson I learned, you know? I think I want to enjoy the conference more than just, you know, be a speaker all the time. Uh, I, I, I love speaking at conferences. You know, I don't mind doing one or two sessions. But more than that, I don't know, maybe I should be watching some somebody else do their own session, right? That's yeah. the thing, because straight after you've done a session as well, it's really hard to go into another session and like sit there and be able to focus because the like the adrenaline's flowing and you know, you've just had this 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 great session or maybe not so great session. I don't know. But, you know, you've just had yeah. your session and like to go into another one straight afterwards. I, I always feel a bit weird about like So I try and leave a gap immediately after one session to the next. Um, I do the same don't feel I can properly concentrate on it and it doesn't do justice to the, the next speaker. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I try and space it out a bit because I get so overexcited, you know, I. Emma Hayden posted the other day, like, what are your tips for doing webinars and stuff like that? And I just, the whole night before, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I find it difficult to say, I'm like a child at Christmas. I, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. just, I like lay in bed. So we have that in common, you know, I'm, I'm always excited before a session, you know, especially like for today, like, you know, it's early in Brazil, but like I, like I told you, I'm an early bird, right? So, but I was really excited yesterday, last night, I was preparing a couple of things and so I woke up probably two hours before I, I, I should, you know, just exactly hey, that. Hey, yeah, hey, jumping hey, around, hey, super excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you said you're an early bird, which is yeah. a little bit <laughs> ironic, really. Um, yeah. Because you might be an early bird, but you also have a certain owl factor. <laughs> I do have an owl factor. Yes. What? So yeah, it's, what is the owl factor? Yeah, you know, this is a, a funny story again, because um, it has to do with that very first conference that I spoke at uh, for National Geographic Learning. And the owl factor is something that was basically has been in the back of my mind for a very long time. I didn't even know what was going 
to come out of that. You know, I, I had no idea that I was going to turn that into a book, actually. I didn't know it was going to be called the owl factor <laughs> because it was, you know, I was just playing with the words at the time. But uh, I remember uh, it was in 2015. I was uh, the library coordinator at a binational center here. And I remember, so basically I dealt with um, ordering books. You know, I worked with all the major publishers. So, you know, Macmillan, Helbling, Richmond, uh, National Geographic Learning, Oxford, Cambridge, everything, right? And we had a supplier. And I remember that the supplier came once, a big delivery, a lot of books. And then she asked me, hey, uh, uh, NGL is looking for a freelance uh, consultant to, to do like a couple of gigs here, you know, present new books. And so somebody who speaks English, somebody who has some teaching experience, and somebody who understands something about books. And I, and I said, like, like me, right? <laughs> so I'm your guy again. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's true. And then she connected me with a commercial uh, representative of, of NGL here. And then I talked to him, Adiku, my buddy. And then he says, he said, so uh, how do you want to do this? And then I just told him, OK, let me figure something out. And I started thinking about this idea of resources because you know, I've been, I had been to a couple of sessions before. I, I had never spoken at a conference before. But when you go to conferences and people present new materials, it's pretty much the same thing. That's what I thought anyway. They kind of do like a walkthrough, right? So they open the book and then they show the slides and the, the platform, the interactive tools, the website, you know, pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And I felt yeah. like, as a teacher, that's not really the, the stuff I'm interested in, you know? Well, no, it feels because like a sales pitch. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And so you know that as a teacher, you'll get anything. You get a stick and, and the beach and you can teach, you know, it doesn't matter. So whatever you have, if you are an experienced teacher, you can work with that. Mm -hmm. So I really want to know what kind of resources the book offers, right? And then I started thinking of resources. So, so how can I work with this? And then I came up with this crazy idea. So, okay, we need resources to teach and learn. And uh, resources, they basically form the basis of what I call the know, show, and grow uh, approach. Because that's what, what's in the book, in the owl factor. So first I had this idea, the know, show, and grow. Because think about it, Harry, you know, for me to teach anything, I have to know something. I have to consider that my students know something too because they have prior knowledge. Yeah. And then I have yeah. to connect those things somehow. And, and how I make my know available has to do with show and method. So what kind of resources you use to show your knowledge and to connect your knowledge to your students' knowledge. And after we have this you know, exchange, let's say, we both grow. We, we start uh, reflecting, we learn something. And then, uh, OW was, you know, so there was something with OW, I said, no show and grow. I wanted to use, uh, to create an acronym or something to make it easier for people to remember. And then I started thinking about things like optimal work or something, you know, I was trying to make sense of this OW thing. And then, you know, it was in a drawer. I had a piece of paper. I wrote down, I, I, I made the presentation, you know, like a PowerPoint, actually a Prezi presentation at the time. And then my, you know, the participants really liked the presentation. And then I said, okay, so I should do something about this, right? 
but then it was in a drawer. I had I had a, a sketch of this no show grow. I had some uh, bubbles, you know, like uh, some schemes that I had drawn and everything. But for many years, I didn't do anything about it. And then very recently, because of my transition, you know, I was working as a bilingual program mentor, but I wanted to go freelance. I said I needed to. I need something. I need to maybe write an ebook or something, you know, so that people can go to my website, download a freebie or I don't know. And then I, I found that. So it was in a drawer, literally, it was inside my drawer. And then I found that thing, no show grow. And then I, I checked my desktop computer and I had a lot of uh, different files about some aspects of no show grow. And then I started putting them together. And then suddenly I felt like this can be a book. So it's going to be a book now. And I needed something. I needed the, the, the wow factor. I was looking for the wow factor, you know, like how can I make this book something interesting? And then OW, wow. And then I started thinking about uh, philosophy and dialogues and Socrates and then bam. So owl, because owl symbolize wisdom and philosophy. So you have, uh, you know, um, the owl of, of Athena, for example which is uh, very famous, I mean, very popular in Greek mythology. And then suddenly I connected everything and now I have the owl factor. So it's a book about philosophy, about fables. So I talk a lot, uh, I actually discuss a couple of fables because uh, there's always a moral dilemma and, and you have an owl talking to a rabbit or an eagle or something like that. And then I, I, I really believe in the power of storytelling. So fables, dialogues, and science, and teaching, and education in general. And that's that's how the owl factor, you know, started. I guess and, <laughs> actually and it is available. Yeah. It is available, yeah, available. Um, on yeah. ebook and in paperback. Uh, I see. It is. It is. I have actually. I got the proof a couple of days ago, and I was really excited when I when I I was. Uh, running some errands right and then i i just went downstairs i got the package from amazon and then i started you know i just looked through the the, the pages and it was it's beautiful i love the book it, it looks very nice i mean uh six months ago i had no idea i was going to publish my first book now i have the physical book there you go it's in your right hands here. it's in, in your my hands, hands. Exactly. That's, uh, so, yeah. that is incredible um and as, as I mentioned to you earlier, it's it's on my reading list. I have it penciled in on my calendar for when I'm going to start reading it. Um, no worries. I hope you like it now, when you start it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something that um, so Michelle, you know, a, a mutual ELT friend, uh, Michelle Worgan, who's um, based yes. here in Spain, she's she's reading it. Um, she mentioned the other day, and it was that whole no show grow idea. Like you look at it and you think that. Yeah that's that's teaching that's learning like that is exactly what it like those three words like describe it perfectly you know it's, exactly. it's a succinct way of describing how we should all like teach yep. you, know, you know maybe we don't all have the same style of teaching maybe we don't but that is like fundamentally a great way of, of, of approaching um teaching I, you know, I have this this mind. I, I think I'm constantly trying to synthesize things. You know, I actually I I, I draw from different um, fields and my experience, and I, I really try to make things easier. Some, you know, I, 
I deal with very complex things, especially lately, you know, with the whole cosmos and 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 when I looked at the no show grow, now I call it approach, but it could be a philosophy really. Mm -hmm. Because you know, an approach is sort of a philosophy, but I think philosophy goes beyond approach. So it's something you know you have different approaches under philosophy in, in yeah. general, I think. And uh, I, I thought that maybe what I'm trying to do is to to get to the essence of, of education. And, and I'm trying, and I, I avoided using learning very much in this book because, because of the whole learnification thing. I think we're talking about learning all the time as if we are um, responsible for students learning all the time. And I feel like there's a, you know, they have responsibility as well. And I think, and this is very important because we have shifted from the language of education and schooling to the language of learning. Everything is learner-centered nowadays. And I feel like philosophy is not about that. If you think about Socrates, for example, and uh, the dialogues, uh, so you can go back to Plato and uh, you know Xenophon, for example, they wrote the dialogues of, of, of Socrates. And you see that Socrates is trying to bring something out you know uh through dialogue so there is a, a claim or somebody comes to him and says hey i think this is this is a uh, truth and then he starts asking a lot of questions so you're responsible for your reflection and trying to get to the bottom of something and i feel like we need to be doing that more often in education we have to provoke our students and inspire them so that they can do something and I mean, of course, we are going to to uh, encourage them to learn, and you know, we're going to try to make things more effective. But there is there is a line right there, you know, that sometimes we cannot cross because they they got to do the work, you know. And I feel like the yeah. whole learning thing is about us making sure that they learn no matter what. And maybe that's not the point, right? There maybe is, yeah, yeah, there is a huge pressure in, I know, in language teaching especially. Um, for an expectancy as well from yeah. i don't want to say the the learners necessarily but from i'm doing this in inverted commas the customers yeah. you know so yes. let's say you're teaching a, a group of 15 year old students who have yeah. little interest um but they're in a class because they need to get the b1 because you know they're yeah. there to get the b1 so the, the kind of expectancy from the parents is, you know, if they're paying to go to a language academy, the parents are paying, I don't know, sometimes up to 100 euros a month for, you know, for yep. eight to 12 hours. If they're paying that money, their child should be learning. Their child should be able to do the, the B1 exam at the end of the year and pass the exam with no problem because they're paying that money. And obviously we learn by osmosis. And if we're paying money, we can go into a classroom and the English will go into us, we'll leave the classroom. And as long as we're yeah. doing three hours a week in the English classroom, yeah. we will learn English and we'll be able to pass that exam, no problem. And yeah. there's that kind of expectancy with particularly, you know, the, the private side of things that you're paying the money, so yeah. you should be learning. But yeah. there really needs to be that emphasis on, on our learners that, yeah, particularly with languages, you need to go a bit further. So yep. yesterday I that went to work. Yeah, exactly. I went to help. I've got um, a lot of friends who have language academies around here. And yeah, 
I'm, I'm a I'm a freelancer, so I'm at home. And I got a call from a good friend of mine yesterday, last minute, saying, "Harry, we've got a, a teacher sick. Please, can you come and help out?" I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, no problem." And I went in. I had a first a class of ten year olds. Great, ten year olds are oh, amazing. Yes. They love learning. Yeah. It's super easy to motivate them. The next class were a group of thirteen year olds, and it's yeah. been a while since I had a class that had so little interest in learning. <laughs> yes. So little interest. That happens. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a, an activity called Songversations, where the students yeah. basically have a conversation with the song. So I was like, "So guys, oh, cool. tell me yeah. one song that you like in English," and they were all just like don't listen to English songs. I was like, you yeah. must know one English song. Like, you must know yeah. one. Tell me yeah. one English song and we'll do it. Now, nah, don't listen to oh, them. Oh, gosh, yeah. And there was no interest whatsoever. Yeah. You know, I, I was trying. And then the next class were maybe a year older, but the yep. attitude was so much different. And suddenly they were all like, what? We can do a song? Oh, I know this song and this song and this song. And we had like four yeah. different songs going on at the same time. And the next class, which were an advanced class, and they were maybe 17, we were talking about different TV shows that they watch in English and how they have that desire to learn in English. And, and then when yeah. we did song conversations in that class, they were like, can we sing the song instead of listening to the song? Yeah. And it is that attitude. You can see that the, the, I don't know, their teachers before them, their parents as well, I assume, have you know told them that, yes, you're going to English Academy to learn, yeah, but you need to help yourself you grow do as well. Work. Once your teacher <laughs> yeah. has shown you what you know, then you yeah. need to go off and grow. Exactly, and you you know you mentioned something very important because part of know is know your students. Or uh, Socrates used to say, "Know thyself, but know your students as well." That's very important because uh, one of the things that I realized in this in this job, you know, as a teacher, and I've been teaching for a while is that maybe that's the most important thing because you know i mean of course we need to know our content the the things that we're going to teach if we don't know those things we cannot teach very effectively even though you know nowadays we we are more uh student centered uh you know we need to know our content we have to be qualified as teachers otherwise maybe we shouldn't be there you know but then if you know your content but you don't know how to show your content very well because you don't know your students, then you're bound to fail as well. And uh, but of course there will be moments, uh, and and this happened to all teachers, you know, that your students they're simply not interested. And then there's the line, you know, again the line. And I feel like it's very much like going to the gym in in that sense because you know you can hire a personal trainer, a tutor who's going to help you with the workout, uh, you know, the exercises and everything. But if you don't go there and you don't do it, it doesn't work, right? And I feel like a lot of students, they have this expectation, they just buy something, adult learners and, and you know uh, parents when they're thinking about their kids. So they're paying, but then they go there and they don't do the work and then it doesn't work if you don't do the work, you know? It's as so simple much, as that. It's so much yeah. like the gym, it's a great analogy. I was actually thinking yeah. about the English gym a while back and, it is yeah. such a great analogy. Yeah, cool. I'm paying for the gym, but when I go there, what do I do? I stand on the treadmill and I watch the TV. Like I walk at <laughs> yeah. three kilometers an hour, like, and then you leave, and it's like, what? 
Where's this belly isn't going anywhere? My bank account is I'm paying for the gym. I'm paying, so it's not working. Yes. Exactly. How how am I not losing weight? The gym takes yeah. you know, and it's a great analogy to to show the the learners as well and to show your the, even exactly. the parents and just say, look, you know, yeah. if you pay for the gym, but you go to the gym and do nothing there, then you're not <laughs> gonna lose weight. It's the same exactly. with English. If you pay for the classes, you can pay for, you know. You can yep. go to Decathlon and buy all the fancy yoga outfit, the lovely exactly. pants. You can pay all that money. You know, you've got the nice book. You've got everything there. But if yep. you don't actually sweat, then you're not going to lose weight. So if you don't exactly. actually try, and it is yep. so important to know your students, like you say. Yeah. If you don't know them, you can't show them. And no yep. one's going to grow. Except there you go. So nobody's going to grow. And, 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 and there's something else about the gym analogy. You grow muscles, you grow your muscles, right? So when you learn, you grow synapses in the brain. So you grow new, you know, connections or so actually one, one of the, the elements of grow in my book is, is synapses. So you grow synapses and that has to do with a, a fundamental property of the brain called neuroplasticity so without neuroplasticity there's no learning and 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 it's really uh, about the effort you know so if you go somewhere and you are shown something that somebody knows and then you know something else and then you start connecting those things you need to grow new synapses uh, otherwise you're not learning and there's some effort required there you know it shouldn't be easy i think all of us i mean a lot of us uh, in the last, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 years, 15 years, we've kind of bought into the whole, uh, let's make everything fun, easy idea for learning to happen. And that's not true. There's actually a psychologist, um, his name is Robert Bjork. And he says that for learning to happen, there has to be what he calls desirable difficulties. And it's again, going back to the gym analogy, no pain no gain so there you know there is a actually there's a physiological process there you know there's a lactic acid when you're working out and that's going to make your muscles grow and it hurts a little bit right yeah <laughs> so you feel that you're growing same thing for learning so it, it needs to be a little challenging and difficult otherwise you're probably not learning very effectively yeah yeah I, yeah i completely agree it can still be fun it can, be, it fun, can yes. still be fun but yeah it's yeah it's not about just making everything a joke um yeah. it does yeah so but you can it can be fun and difficult but as long as it's still difficult sure. you know there is that challenge right? yeah. there yeah you can't yeah. just yeah just okay let's just play loads of games well sure let's play loads of games but you, you need there needs to be challenge <laughs> in there you, otherwise yeah. like you say you'll just you'll reach a plateau and you won't go beyond it if you're not working your brain muscles i mean obviously brain muscles aren't what we're talking yeah. about here but you know that the with the <laughs> analogy of the gym yeah. right so we're going to just going to shoot off very quickly for a word from our sponsors when we come back i'm going to talk about we're going to talk about how now this is going to sound weird i discovered you i know i didn't actually okay. discover you um but yeah so when we come back we're going to talk about that so welcome back everybody thanks for for bearing with us um so i mentioned before uh, before we shut off for a moment there, I mentioned about how I discovered um, uh, Andre. Now, obviously, 
Uh, I, I didn't discover him. I'm not a talent scout. Um, I'm not <laughs> Louis Walsh or Simon Cowell. Um, this wasn't the voice Brazil. No, it wasn't even the American voice Spain. talent or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the, the first time I, I, I saw Andre online and it was, there was a word that really sparked my interest um, and it really, it really grabbed me. And I saw Cosmos. Now, obviously, uh, as a fan of, of the Cosmos, um, you know, the original, the, the Carl Sagan and also the, the Neil deGrasse Tyson idea, you know, it's yeah. something that I've been a huge fan of for, for quite a long time. So I saw this idea of the learning Cosmos um, and I was just like, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah. I want to see what that's about. Um, so I did, and I saw what it was about. Um, but I'm not going to tell you what it's about. I'm going to let Andre tell you about it. Yeah, so I thought it was a cool idea to it. And it, it came to me as a revelation, let's say, you know, um, <laughs> because I was reading uh, Stephen Hawking's book at the time, A Brief History of Time. And I'm a huge fan of Carl Sagan and Cosmos and, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson as well. And, um, you know, Harry, I think we are geeks. That's the, the, the truth, you know? I think we're, we like stuff about the universe and, you know, planets and solar systems and things like that. And uh, the learning cosmos is really this um, conceptual framework. I have, I have the magazine here. So it was published, it was the cover article of uh, New Roots magazine. And uh, I really love the design, I mean, the what they did was incredible because it was something i had in my head and then it became real the moment i saw the first pdf and it looks like uh, basically concentric circles with different principles and theories about learning so everything is really evidence-based you know it's it's what the uh literature the scientific literature has you know what's available out there and the stuff that i learned at the university of bristol especially so I remember thinking back then, I wanted all teachers to know the stuff that I'm learning here, because this is very important. And so how do we learn? What are some of the, the psychological principles of learning and the neuroscientific principles of learning? Where can I find those things? Who are the main authors? Uh, can I summarize them into something useful and practical that you know, teachers can have access to? And then I, I started thinking about that. And then I came back to Brazil. And then, um, so Jack Scholes, who was the editor of New Roots, he said, so he invited me to do a piece for uh, an upcoming issue. And then I wrote about learning theories and everything. And he said, do you want to do the cover article for, for the next issue? I said, of course I, I want to do the cover article, right? Uh, I mean, do you have to ask? <laughs> but anyway. Uh, I wanted to do something very cool, something different, something that I, I thought would impact teachers and you know educators. And, and then I started thinking about how can I summarize? So that idea came back. How can I summarize all those learning principles and, and uh, theories and from cognitive, developmental, social psychology, cognitive neuroscience, all, all of them together in one place. So that maybe if you don't know anything, you, you probably do know something, but if you don't know anything, you just go to that place and then you and you start learning about them. And I was reading uh, Stephen Hawking. I was watching Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, on TV. And then I said, this is how I can put those things together. The cosmos, you know, because when you learn, if you think about the cosmos 
about space, the universe, you have different levels, right? You can analyze an individual planet, so you can focus on Earth, for example, and you can think about all of the systems here on this planet. You know, you can think of the biosphere, the atmosphere, for example. You can think about the core of the planet, the crust of the planet. But then you can zoom out and you can look at the at the solar system, for example, and how those planets interact in the orbits and uh, and the asteroids. You know, the belt, for example, between uh, Jupiter and Mars, and and then you can go away, so like reaching the heliosphere, right? So you go all the way to interstellar space, and that's kind of how learning happens, I think, mm -hmm. because we have, for example, the planetary level. So if you think about the, you know, the most imminent or the most immediate thing that we normally discuss when we think about learning is cognition. So we need to have cognition to learn and cognition has to do with attention and memory, basically, and, you know, awareness, reasoning and all of that. So who talks about attention and memory? So Paul Howard Jones, my professor, Stanislas Dehaene, a, a professor at the College of France. And then I started looking at their principles and I put them together. So that was the first circle, right? So you have attention, you have an engagement, and you have a feedback and, and building knowledge, and you have a consolidation. So when you look at those things, you realize, oh, this is important, but it goes beyond, right? So we're, we're moving from the, the core of the planet to the next stage and that that's emotion. So there are many authors talking about emotions and how emotions affect learning. And then I started piecing those things together. And then what we have now, what I have now is this, I call it a conceptual framework. I didn't really create anything, I, I, I feel. I just got a lot of things and put them together in a clever way. And I used the, the cosmos as a very good analogy, I thought, you know? Because yeah, of Carl Sagan. Yeah. Exactly. It really is. For me, it was a hook, like to, to see yeah. the cosmos. I was like, I want to know how that's related. Like, you know, so I had a look at it. Um, yeah. Now, be, playing devil's advocate here. Okay. Please. Yeah. A bit <laughs> too difficult for your average TEFL teacher. Most, I think it's even difficult for me, to be honest, you know, because um, so when I was creating the learning cosmos, I remember. I had there were so many sketches, you know, so many different sketches, because first I thought it might be a, a Venn diagram. And then I started trying to add a couple of things. And, and I said, that's not going to cut it. I need something else. And then I realized maybe I can make concentric circles. And then um, and then it, it, it worked, but I didn't have the analogy. And then I started drawing things. Uh, so I remember ha having a four paper, like sheets of paper that was too small and then I actually I started drawing on a wall so I have a wall in the in my bedroom and it's actually painted you know so it's uh it's like a blackboard oh, so yeah. I started I, I got a chalk and I started drawing very big and then I realized that there are so many elements in this thing it's it's really complex it's very very complex but the cool thing is that you can focus on one circle at a time and this is really my, uh, you know, the whole astronaut exploration analogy it works really well because an astronaut cannot possibly look at the whole universe at, you know, at once and then make sense of all of it. So you need you need somebody to explore, but you also need uh, astrophysicists and, you know, 
astronomers who study the, those things, right? So there are a lot of people to make sense of the universe. You have Einstein, you have uh, going back to Galileo, Copernicus, you have Sir Isaac Newton, for example. So all of those people, they made their contribution. And then of course it's complex, it's very complex. But then you can learn about the first circle. You can learn about cognition. And then you go to all of those principles, you go to the authors I mentioned, and you learn, you read their books, you read their papers. And then, oh, this is how attention works. This is how memory consolidation works. And then you can move on to the next uh, circle. Then you go to emotion, and, and then you go to uh, Daniel Goleman and emotional intelligence. And then you go to Lisa Barrett uh, and uh, the theory of constructed emotion. And you read her book, How Emotions Are Made in the Brain. And then you start learning. And then, you know, after uh, it's a journey, really. It's like, you know, getting on a spaceship and then traveling through the, uh, the solar system so that you can start learning a little bit more every every mile you go, you know? Yeah. So you just go to the next circle, you go to the next circle. Yeah, like you That's say, that as, as a framework, it works very well. Like if, if you like wanted a CPD framework to the, the, the scientific side of, of learning, um, it yes. works very well for that. Uh, you know, it's it has it all laid out for you. You know, all of your reading is there. You, you look at this, like, exactly. okay, so I need to read that. Okay, I can read that. In taking the whole thing in at once, you know, I, I remember reading it the first time and thinking, this would be a great way of structuring uh, a, like a CPD, certainly the the theoretical side of CPD. You know, if, if you were working for a big language academy or for a school um, and to look at the theoretical side. Now, for me, yeah. when it comes to CPD, you need both. You know, you need the theory, Definitely. you need those ideas, but you also obviously need the practical. And I think for the, the theoretical side, the learning cosmos is it's, it's brilliant. I, I really think well, that everyone you. should give it a read, give it a try. I'll, I'll put the link in the in the show notes as well so everyone can check it out. Um, yeah. And you know, more, I'm, I'm writing a book about it. So oh, yeah? You're writing a book about it as well? I'm, so, yeah, my, my next book will be, well, probably not the next one. This is going to take me some time, but The Learning Cosmos is coming out. And, uh, and, and you said it. I need to add the practical bits there. So let's look at, you know, so I'm probably going to have a chapter for each one of the circles, plus introduction, conclusion, and all of that. And, um, and then, okay, so we look at the cognitive circle or the cognitive sphere. I like to call it a sphere. Uh, and then you look at each one of the principles. So I describe the research and then I think of, so how do you apply this? Okay, so I know that we have a very short attention span. So, so what are the, the practical things we can do to work with that, you know? So that's the idea. So that that's why it's gonna take me a very long time to that's finish what's this coming book. up next. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm in the I've got a book proposal done and written and ready. Okay. It's yeah. I'm I'm currently <laughs> I know that you should just send it out and just do it, just do it, like you know, just do it. I'm yep. currently crippled not by the fear of rejection. Um, I'm perfectly happy with rejection. I've dealt yeah. with rejection well, a, lot, a lot in my. <laughs> yeah. um, I've been rejected got, many times, so yeah. Oh, by so many things, you know. You know, even like now, so I'll send a proposal to, to a conference, and the, the rejection yeah. comes back. Obviously, it doesn't feel good, uh, but yeah. I'm used to it. Um, I get plenty yeah. of acceptance as well. So, 
Yeah. I don't know what I'm most, so I've got the proposal. I've done that the first chapter is done. It's ready. Um, okay, great. Yeah. I think my fear is not rejection, but acceptance. I think oh, my okay. fear is I send it off. You know, yeah. I was planning to send it off at the start of February when I started my course, which is called Creating a Greener Mindset. The book is all about creating yep. a greener mindset. Um, I think my fear is acceptance. That if somebody says, yes, we want to yeah. publish your book, because then I have to finish writing it. Now, I, ah. what I want to know is, like, how did you... So starting it was easy for me, and I've got all the ideas, yeah. and I've got the yeah. framework. I've got every chapter planned out perfectly. I know exactly what yeah. I want to write, you know, and there's, it's basically a resource book that has a bit of theory behind it to try and help, help people create a greener mindset in their students. Um, and there's practical ideas that, students can, that teachers can take into the classroom. Um, and I think it's a book that's going to be really useful, but oh yeah, I'm sure. How did cool, you yeah. like, what did your day look like when you were writing your book? Ah, uh, the every day was different, Harry. You know? <laughs> Let me tell you this. I remember uh, I spent probably two weeks without writing anything, and I, I I actually had a deadline. I mean, I had set a deadline for myself. So, but there were moments I would go to a, a coffee shop uh, very close to my apartment. And I would spend seven hours on it, you know, like, as, as like, like uh, Carl Sagan was talking to me, you know. So, <laughs> and 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 this is very interesting because I think the creative process is is very much like that, the creative process, you know. And uh, there are moments you are very inspired and you feel like I have to. So you are almost like an, an outlet for your creativity. You're just you know letting things flow and then. And there are moments that you're very uh, afraid that you might not be able to to capture something, and you and and we have this natural tendency for procrastination when we feel like I'm going to waste a lot of energy and nothing good is going to come out. So maybe I shouldn't even start, right? But I feel like uh, what really helped me was I I I needed I, I I was looking ahead like you know I'm going to be a freelance consultant now. And I kind of, you know, people kind of know my name. I, I've been around, but I don't really have anything to say that this is mine. You know, this is this is something that I I, I do have the learning cosmos, which is a great article, I thought, but I want to have something bigger. And um, so I think that kept, you know, encouraging me. And, and so I, I pushed myself because, okay, I need to have a book by the end of this transition period or 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 close. Because otherwise, you know, as I start working as a freelance consultant, and, and I'm sure I'm going to have a lot more free time, but then maybe I won't have the the push, you know, to, to kind of get it done, right? It's also, so I, I got to do it now, yeah. Exactly. It's also the, I don't know, the, the as a freelancer myself as well, you know, what I should have done was send a book off in December when I when I got the proposal ready because January I, I didn't have a lot to do you know you'll experience yeah. this there'll be times when you have not a lot and but at the moment I'm absolutely rammed like I've got you know materials yeah. to write I've got uh, conferences to speak at I've got lessons to do like I'm absolutely so at the moment the thought of if somebody accepts the book and gives me a deadline right now yeah I'd just I'd be terrified by it and I just <laughs> yeah, I, I can't do that so yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what's put me off again, I guess. But the, the good thing is I have it done and ready. Well, obviously, different publishers have different proposals. So you have to set it up, reformat it in different ways. So um, 
and then of course if it does get rejected i can just self-publish which is one of the the wonderful things so that's uh, you know i self-published the the owl factor and uh, because i felt like um nobody was going to go for my crazy ideas and uh, because i you know i mixed uh dialogues i i mixed uh storytelling fables you know fables of, of owls and and i actually got inspired by a lot of films you know different you know like the mona lisa smile with Ju julia roberts for example it's a great movie about teachers you know how teaching students inspiring students right and i so I, I I drew from a lot of those. I'm I'm a movie addict. I love watching movies and and series and everything. So Dead Poet Society, right? And uh, that, was, that was the logical one that came up there. Yeah. So I I got inspired actually. I I so I I I went. I watched them again, and I tried to extract a lesson or more than one lesson from all of those movies. And that's in the book. So it's, it's so really I'm trying to weaving to to weave all of those things together, like you know, uh, storytelling from different sources, dialogues, uh, fables, movie uh, quotes, and you know, and science, right? So so that's again, it's it's a very interesting process. I loved writing this book, but I felt like nobody's going to publish this, you know. I, and even if so if I send this out and then somebody says, "Okay, we are going to publish." and they ask me to change a lot of things, I'm not going to be happy with that. So this one I have to self-publish. Yeah. Exactly. Um yeah, that's yeah. one of the things I did have a big debate about that, you know, because I'd got so far into it, you know, I've done it and people say, "Yeah, yeah. but you know, it might be changed by the publisher." I'll wait and see for now. I will send it to publishers first, but if they don't take it, it's fine. I'll, I'll just okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah. You can do it, Harry. I know. I have faith in you. <laughs> oh, yeah. thank you so much. Um, now, something <laughs> you did briefly mention there. I want to talk about this. Um, I, I won't keep you for too much longer. Um, I want to talk about this. So you mentioned with the owl factor. You, you, you talked about dialogues and and fables and storytelling. Um, now, looking at that. For me, that's very yeah. philosophical. Those, those ideas are very like rooted in philosophy and yeah. particularly fables and, and, and dialogues, obviously. But yeah, you also did the the learning cosmos, which yeah. is very, very, very scientific. You know, it, it looks at the you know the cycle. Obviously, with with your masters that you did in Bristol, it's it's going to be um, around you know the, the science and 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 that yeah. in, in learning. So how have you how have you married those together because they're, <laughs> yeah. they're not exactly contrasting ideas but there are quite a lot of contrasting ideas between science and philosophy definitely you know uh, if somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago like uh, and 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 that's funny because i think a lot of people wouldn't imagine you know like is this the same guy who wrote the learning cosmos because they're kind of very very different right <laughs> exactly what i thought when it came out i was like what? almost the opposite right yeah <laughs> and 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 uh, one of the the reasons why i wanted to write something different really was that i believe that science has you know like like deep roots let's say when you look at that philosophy that's what gave rise to science at the beginning, because it, you know the scientific method is a philosophical method of questioning, if you think about it. But there is there is an added layer, uh, and that's empiricism. It's really collecting evidence from experiments. And uh, in the so when I talk about knowing the book, 
I mentioned that for a very long time, humans have relied on intuition first. And intuition is kind of logic, but it's based on prior knowledge. So, you know, if you, uh, you can imagine that the early civilizations, they couldn't really understand what the moon was, right? They would look up and because they, they had no idea, they had no notion that the moon was actually uh, a celestial body to like orbiting the earth, you know? So they had to create myths and uh, stories about the moon and they kind of used their intuition. If you think about it, they, you know, mm -hmm. they started describing things based on stories and uh, fantastic stories. And, and, and that gave rise to religion, for example, and mythology and all of that. But then there, there came philosophy. So we had philosophy that was about questioning things and using rationality. So, you know, how can I assert something like that? And, and Socrates is probably one of the, the biggest references there, even though Socrates, you know, he, he was a controversial guy, you know, but still, uh, maybe he didn't even exist according to, to some records. Maybe he was just the the figment of somebody's imagination oh, like wow. a, like a like a superhero maybe you know like or like uh you know uh i don't like like jesus or krishna or something like that if you think about it you know because socrates is so referenced and revered mm -hmm. but anyway and then uh philosophy is what helps us create new paradigms and i think that we cannot uh detach philosophy and from science and, and vice versa because i think that a lot of the you know as as a, a researcher like i was a researcher for a while at the university of bristol if you start your scientific journey with the wrong questions or with the wrong tools for you to assess that phenomenon right because you got the philosophy wrong then you're bound to fail again or you're going to do something that you know it's not going to work so I feel like we need to go back to philosophy and there is a natural philosophy in all of us that I wanted to to nurture, I think, with the book. It's the philosophy of asking questions. It's the Socratic method, you know, and I feel like as uh, teachers, educators, every time we do something in class, maybe we should step back and, and start questioning. Why did I do that? Did it work? How do I know it worked? What do my students think about this? Can I do it again? What if I change this, right? What if I add that? And then, so this is a very, and I like this inquiry-based uh, sort of, you know, practice, and it's based on philosophy, on philosophical practice. And you don't need necessarily to look at the science there, but I do include science in the book. So at the end of each uh, part, you know, each section, no show and grow, I actually have the science of no. So I look at evidence-based practices that can help you know your stuff and know your students and connect shows. So I talk about methods, I talk about approaches, you know, deductive, inductive, all of that. I mentioned Galileo. I feel like there are, there are two things that we cannot really separate. You need to, to get the philosophy right. That's the scientific method is pure philosophy. It's asking questions to understand a phenomenon. But the, the, the difference is Socrates and many of those philosophers, they actually believe that they could work something out with their reasoning. And that's impossible many times because you simply don't have the instruments 
to understand this reality. You need to you need a telescope to understand the moon. Yeah. You can't you can just look at the moon and reason and you know, oh, I know what it what it is. Yeah. Or or yeah. you need a microscope to understand the atom, for example. So you can't reason 100%. certain things. So you need experimentation. And that's the, the final level, you know, intuition, rationality or philosophy or questioning, and then experimentation, empiricism. And I think we should do both. I mean, uh, all of them. You first start with your intuition as a teacher. Oh, maybe this works because I feel like it works. But then you start questioning. And then as you question, you create um, your own thing. And then let me try something out. Then you're experimenting. And then you become a more experienced teacher. And then you kind of go back to your, your intuition again, because you haven't done it. Nobody has ever tried this, but I have a lot of experience. I'm going to go with my intuition again. So maybe that's the process that we should be trying out, you know? 100%. I can definitely see like philosophy and science, they certainly run alongside each other for quite, for quite a while, up until that yeah. all important experimentation where they kind of fork off into different directions, maybe. Um, and, it, and it is that idea of, you know, you need to be open-minded in, in all things in life. Um, yes. So you need to use both approaches. There's no one correct approach. And this is something that really bugs me within ELT when yes. people get stuck on methodology and they're like, I use this method. So, yeah. okay, since when has only one thing been good? It's like say, I eat strawberries. And that's it. All I do is eat strawberries. So, you know, a balanced diet is what's important. So yeah, by all means, use demand high, you know, by all means, use a flipped classroom, by all means, use all these different things, but use different things. Don't, don't stick yeah. yourself to one methodology. Don't, don't, there, there is no one right way of, of knowing or showing or growing. There are all exactly. of these different ways for us as teachers, but also for our students. Um, perfect, perfect. So I've got one and, more question. Oh, sorry, go yes, ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, and, and I explore that in uh, show, because show is really about method. And, and, and I play with the idea of philosophy, approach, method, and technique, for example. And it's funny that in science, normally, when we think about deductive and inductive, we think about a method. And then when, and it could be approach, it could be the, the deductive approach, right? But a method kind of gives you a recipe in a way. A method gives you a, a list, right, of mm -hmm. procedures. You know, like a, first you do this, then you do that. An approach, it's more like you know your inspiration or your ideology, your philosophy. We can say yeah. so. How yeah. you approach something, right? And I feel like there is, if we think about in terms of you know more student-centered, mixed, more teacher-centered, and um, and if you kind of if you use the spectrum and if you include deductive and inductive, you know, you're, you're probably covering most of it. Because if you think about audiolingual and uh, grammar translation and, you know, the com communicative approach and all of that, they are going to fall on one of the, 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 the sides of that sp spectrum. It's going to be either more student, more teacher centered. It's going to be more deductive, more inductive. Sometimes you're going to mix some elements. And so you, you need to understand the method from that perspective. What is a method? Uh, what is a deductive method or an inductive method? How do I make it more student-centered? How do I make it more teacher-centered? Sometimes I have to lecture, yes. Lots of input, yes. But many times I can just 
be uh, the the guide on the side, let's say, not the sage on on the stage, right? I I have to monitor and just let my students go, right? And we have to understand that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, variety is the spice of life. So you know. Definitely. That, as you mentioned, it. sage. You know. Yeah. Spice. <laughs> the sage is the spice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I love it, by the way. There you go. So I do have one more question before I will let you get back on with your day. Uh, I know I know it's approaching 10 past seven in the morning for you. Um, so, so your day <laughs> yeah, is ready true. to begin. Oh, my um, day normally starts at seven, eight. So I'm fine. I can okay, stay here as long as you want. Yes. Um, so the next uh, the next question is now somebody I, I've recently seen in action that I, I was excited yeah. about seeing in action. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Trunk. Mr. Trunk. Can you give me the story behind Mr. Trunk? <laughs> yes, and he's here with us. Uh, Mr. Trunk, for those of you who've never heard of him, is actually a stuffed elephant. And he's not very big, but he's very famous, very popular. And uh, Mr. Trunk is uh, <laughs> started as a project. I, I actually, I started as a lesson, as, a, as a, a dilemma, I think. I kind of like the owls. You know, you have a lesson about how the owl and the eagle um you know how they they actually arrange to be friends and maybe the owl is trying to protect the owlets you know don't eat my my <laughs> offspring or something like that so it's a dilemma it's a lesson and mr trunk started like that because i remember i was struggling with a group i think i had um 15 students they were around 16 17 year old students uh, they didn't really care much for for anything that I you know like like the 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 group you mentioned. So sometimes you know it, it, sometimes there's no interest. Sometimes you feel like something is not working. So you need something uh, a spark, something to to ignite something, right? And then I was uh, in the mall here in my my city, Goiânia in Brazil, and I said I need to teach those kids or those teenagers how to be more responsible. They need to, to be held accountable for things, you know? And how do I do that? And then for some reason, I remembered pets. Because I remember when I was growing up, my dad, my mom gave me a dog, for example, you know? Because you have to be responsible for your dog. I remember I had a turtle, a small turtle. So, and then, okay, so I can give my students a pet, but I can give them something that simulates a pet, let's say. And then I was in the, uh, it was a, a local shop and I saw Mr. Trunk in a basket. So I said, maybe I can get a stuffed animal like a teddy bear or something. And I saw Mr. Trunk, actually his trunk was sticking out almost like he was calling me. I could see his <laughs> trunk from afar, you know, inside the basket. And then I grabbed him and he's, he, I, I bought Mr. Trunk into, it was um, 2016 now, so it's been six years. And I bought Mr. Trunk, I took him to the classroom. Uh, we named Mr. Trunk, I asked my students. Um, they actually, uh, the, the, there is a story, they said, you know, maybe he should be called Mr. Trump. And it was the presidential election said, no, <laughs> because they thought that Trump melt, uh, meant trunk in english so they, they, in, they in spanish the it's trompeta as well so it's like trumpet basically in spanish so exactly in portuguese yeah and then uh no i said it's trunk and then we changed this name and mr trunk started as uh, something that students would take home 
they would actually integrate Mr. Trump like, you know, it would be part of their daily routines and have dinner with their parents and things like that, skateboard and, you know, and then they would make um, some sort of media available, like, you know, they would take pictures, um, they would film, and then they would bring those things back as authentic materials for us to work with. Mm -hmm. And so this was amazing at the beginning because I started to know my students better. I got to know them better because, you know, oh, you have a motorcycle. So they took a picture of Mr. Trunk on a motorcycle and uh, their dad had a Harley Davidson, for example, or something like that. And I had no idea. And then there was Mr. Trunk sitting on top of, of the piano. Oh, you play the piano. So I started getting to know my students more. It really gave you an insight into their lives. Exactly. And then uh, one of my students said, can I take him to Argentina? Can I take him to Paraguay? I'm going to, to be uh, away for a couple of weeks. I said, of course. And then he started traveling abroad, right? So it was Argentina, Paraguay, came back. I went to the United States. So he went with me, then Mexico. And then my friends, students, they started taking Mr. Trunk everywhere. He's been to Dubai, he's been to Slovakia, to, you know, to Hungary, to Poland. To Ireland. To, to Ireland recently. So that, that was his last trip. Ireland, he was in Dublin. And, uh, and that's the, how cool this is, because now I have almost, I think I have 300 pictures of Mr. Trunk all over the world, 24 countries. And we use that as authentic material. So, you know, if I need anything, I can get a picture of Mr. Trunk. And then maybe we can talk about a meal he had. We work with the vocabulary. Or maybe we can talk about past tenses. Or, or maybe we can think about the next trip he's planning. And we can use different future forms, you know. And the best thing is, he's an elephant. So he never forgets anything that he's done. And he can just come into the <laughs> class and share it with the students. Exactly. Um, and there are so many funny pictures that we can use. And... And hopefully, you know, he, he will get to travel more this year. Let's Fingers see. Crossed. Fingers, Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm going to let you be on your way. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you finally, getting to know you. I'm sure I'll see you again um, in future. Maybe we'll even see each other face to face or beard hopefully. to beard, as uh, uh, I would yes, say. Definitely, yeah. um, a fellow bearded ELT, you know, so it's always, always good to connect. It's been a real pleasure. So everybody who's listening, don't forget, buy the Owl Factor. The link is down there below. Um, also, check out The Learning Cosmos and do follow um, Andre everywhere on all of the social medias. He is available. Um, you can even find him on YouTube as well, uh, we, which we yeah. didn't mention. Um, if you'd like to give a quick mention of that before we go, um, and then yeah. Sure, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I started something in uh, 2016, I called it EDC, because it, it was supposed to be English development courses at the time, because I was teaching teachers here in Brazil. And then it became education development courses, because I talk more about general education nowadays. And, and it became EDC Rocks. So if you if you look, you go to my website, it's edcrocks.com. You go to uh, YouTube, EDC Rocks uh, YouTube channel. You go to Instagram, EDC Rocks, at EDC Rocks. And I do share a lot of uh, interesting and crazy things, I think, you know, like the so science of learning, neuroscience, psychology, Mr. Trunk's adventures, you know, uh, the Owl Factor courses, uh, anything. So you just go to EDC Rocks and you will find me. Yeah, and there you go. Thank you so much for your time, Andre. It's been a pleasure.
Thank you very much, Harry. My pleasure. And I hope we do meet face to face very, very soon. soon. Okay? Fingers yes. crossed. See you later. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen great improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seriously into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. There we go. Thank you very much uh, for to Andre for coming in uh, and sharing with us uh, all of his knowledge, all of his uh, interests, the owl factor, the learning cosmos. Um, it was fantastic to, to, to listen in there. And as I mentioned there, do please jump on and and get a copy of his book i've got it programmed in for the 21st of this month uh, as my uh, book of that week so i'll be reading it then i'll get back to you and tell you more about it then uh, until next week uh, that is it i will speak to you very soon it has been a pleasure uh, and yeah oh you'll hear me next week You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.